What's up, military millionaires? I'm here today with a friend, actually, which is nice. You know, I don't do that as often as I would like sometimes. So this is Mr. Tyler Goble, and Tyler is a active duty Marine stationed in the D.C. area. I won't go into specifics on that, although he does some pretty nerdy, cool stuff in a community that I used to rock and roll with. And he, uh, he and I, we've known each other, you know, going on what three, three years, three years now. Yeah. So we met, uh, so Tyler's in the war room and he's actually been in my squad in my small accountability squad within the war room now for a long time. We meet every other week. And so we've got to know each other very, very well. And he does everything from house flips, long distance to now they're looking at potentially getting on television. I'll we'll probably dig into that a little bit at some point because that's pretty interesting. But he's a data scientist where he, where he really shines, I think, is the Marine Corps sent him to school to learn how to like scrape data off the Internet and to run all kinds of analytics and stuff. And so he is a whiz kid when it comes to like, hey, is there any way to take this spreadsheet and do and there's a way and Tyler will figure it out. And he's been able to extrapolate like market data and do these really badass presentations on like the current state of the market for the nation or zoom zoom in on a specific city within a you know a state and really just deep dive on the specifics and it's been really cool to watch and I, well actually he ended up landing the job with a real estate investor that everybody knows and it's been yeah I don't know I keep rambling on and on and on but there's Tyler's got his hands in a lot of different things in the real estate space and yet is still active duty is really the nutshell and so, you know, it's been really cool to watch what's happened over the last couple of years with growth and with what you're messing with. And I'm happy to talk through kind of how all that came to be. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. And it's been super great getting to know you over the last three years. And it's funny, like small decisions that you make in your life that just kind of take you and then pivot you in a whole new direction. Because I mean, when I joined the war room, that was 2020. That was after I had done my four-year tour with uh, 3rd Battalion, 6th Marines. And so I'm an infantry officer by trade. And in the Marine Corps, I'm, most people who listen to this are military, but I was on my B billet. So I was basically like, you're taking the E billet. And they sent me to Monterey, California. And what's out there is both the Defense Language Institute. So that's where all the people are learning different languages and whatnot. And then also Naval Postgraduate School. And so... The Marine Corps sent me to go get a master's degree. And when I was on my way out there, my wife and I had done a couple projects in North Carolina. I'd been involved in some real estate stuff, not like professionally. I would say I was like dabbling like most people do when they start. Like the first house I bought was a house hack. I lived with four other lieutenants all in a lieutenant mansion and they all ran out of bedroom from me and all that kind of stuff. And it was super fun, but it was not systematized at all. It wasn't something that was actually a business. And Really joining the war room is what kind of sparked me into, okay, we could do this as a business. And these are the people that you need to kind of surround yourself with in order to actually get that off the ground and kind of stop just asking questions and like the military millionaire Facebook page or on bigger pockets or whatever it is. Like, you know, like the names that keep coming up, somebody keeps asking questions or like, I need this. It's like, well, just join a group that is doing stuff that people are actually doing things and that's going to be the best way to grow. And so that's what I found, but. Yeah, happy to be here, man. Long time listener, first time caller, so <laughs> something like that. I think you've, yeah. you've been calling for a long time. We just haven't recorded it. No, I appreciate that, and I appreciate the shout out there. And I agree with you completely. You know, not to say that there's any. I mean, 
there's a lot of good information within that Facebook group, right? And for those who aren't a member of the Military Millionaire Facebook community, the group has over 60,000 members in it. Actually, I don't even know because my Facebook got hacked. So until maybe next week, hopefully, when I get back into my Facebook, it's somewhere between 60 and 65,000, I'd imagine. Maybe it's yeah, hopefully by the time this thing airs, you have your controls yeah. again. Yeah, hopefully I'm back in the driver's seat and, you know, apparently it's a bad idea to click the button that says that was not me on an email that's not actually from Facebook. So uh, lesson learned. Yeah, I 100% got fished. It's 100% my fault. Now, I didn't know that until like seven or eight days later when I was on the phone with a cyber guy. Like, what in the world? Facebook won't help me. What happened? And he's like, let's dig through everything. And then he was like, that one letter that's not facebook's email and i was like Son of a no it was like a zero instead of a circle uh, no o and i was like damn it yeah like, you know, but first thing in the morning you're like oh no i've been hacked click not me yeah let them in um whoops anyway uh total side trail there uh <laughs> this is what all of our calls are like as well for people are listening like <laughs> It's usually about 30 minutes worth of like discussion about investing business and then maybe another 15 minutes a day for rambling about something. So this yep. is part of the course. This yeah, makes you're, a lot of sense. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're, you're very authentic. <laughs> Thanks. I, I think uh, not the not the group calls. No, maybe no, no, no. The personal squad. Yeah, calls, this, yeah. Per, yeah, the personal squad calls, of course. It's um, good, though. It's good because you don't like when you were in a group, as long as me and you have been in that group. And like, I mean, you started obviously, but the small group that we've been in, you can talk about real estate, you can talk about business like long enough, but the real good connections are when you actually get to know each other and you know what's going on in each other's lives and that kind of thing. And so I think that's like a happy accident in the words of Bob Ross of like one of the, the positive things that have happened from the war is just building good friendships with guys like you. And it's been, it's been cool. So it's not a negative at all to go rambling about like real life and stuff that doesn't exist in a spreadsheet because I live in spreadsheets all day. So sometimes it's a breath of fresh air. I agree. And, you know, to your credit, you know, working at, at the recruiter world, I heard that the uh, yet again, the Marine Corps might be the only branch that actually pulls it out this year. So it is hilarious. Yeah. yeah, I'm not at liberty to discuss whether or not we're going to make it. But it's funny being on the inside of an organization. It's kind of like like being on the inside of like a real estate company that's well known. And you see the inner workings and it's not like it's bad, but it's just, it eliminates all of the, the shiny object stuff when you're behind the scenes and you're seeing news releases of certain things and you're like, oh, I know the, I actually produced the numbers for that news release. Like, that's interesting. Somebody actually took that and ran with it. But um, yeah, working for a Marine Corps recruiting command as a data scientist has been pretty interesting tour. It's definitely not in the realm of normal for a grunt. Um, <laughs> and it's like, Today, I was briefing some colonels and lieutenant colonels on this like machine learning thing that we're doing inside the inside the recruiting world. And I was like, I got to preface this, guys. Like, I'm the believer in data. And, the, and this kind of ties into real estate, too. It's like, I'm a data scientist. Like That's my, by definition, what I am. I'm here to tell you that you can't trust the data less, vast majority of the time. Like, the data is going to point you in the right direction, but you're not going to really know the honest truth, unless you're like boots on the ground, you're seeing the thing in real life. And I think nowadays in, in today's culture, we're seeing like with the rise of chat GPT and everyone having access to AI air quotes, everyone thinks that data is always going to be the answer, but I'm kind of maybe contrarian in that. And I'm, all I do is work with data, but 
the more I work with data, the more I realize how valuable it is to have true insights from somebody who's lived that, that life informing your data. So you can have all the numbers in the world, but if you don't have somebody on the ground verifying stuff, then it's like, there's not really much of a point to looking at those numbers from that high level. I agree. Uh, especially because not to go down that rabbit hole, but data can be manipulated or misinterpreted, or you're using the wrong piece of the equation for answering a question in a survey or whatever. It's interesting when you get people who are like absolute just rock stars at the data piece and like the research piece and they go through some stuff on the internet and they're like, yeah, they said X, Y, Z, which is totally true, except that that's not the number they should have used, which makes all of this different. And you're like, oh, man, like that one deviation. It's pretty cool. So yeah, that's not I why mean, we're here. Oh, sorry. Yeah, when, like when you're using like numbers like that, like at scale, because that's what I, I do for a living is using numbers at scale. I do it in real estate. I do it in consulting and then I do it for Marine Corps is you just have to be very clear with what your assumptions are. So if you're not really like upfront and conscious of what your assumptions are, like flipping houses, for example, like I've written like algorithms to be able to like pinpoint inside of a zip code. This is what the like Goldilocks house looks like. This is the one that if it's a three bedroom, two bath, it's about 1400 square feet and it's selling for about 225. That is like the median price in this zip code. So it's like, that's a pretty small area. But what you don't realize is like, yeah, you could have all that information, but if you don't know that two streets down, there's a hoarder house and those people are a complete nightmare. And they're like rousing the neighborhood at all hours of the night. It's kind of like that meme where it's like every now and then I go outside and I shoot my gun in the air to keep property values down. Like if you don't know that kind of stuff about the market you're in or have somebody on your team that knows that kind of stuff, then all the data in the world is not going to save you. You're going to make bad decisions. And so I always try to tell people whenever I'm explaining data or I'm, I'm giving a, a presentation, it's like the data is, it is lying to you. It's not telling you the truth. It's just giving you a general direction that the truth might be in. And so that's one of those things where it's like, it cracks me up when people are like, well, follow the data, follow the science. I was like, well, sort of like, <laughs> but you got to use your brain at the same time. So, yeah, absolutely. So, okay. You hit on something there, the house flipping and using data for house flipping and wanting to understand, you know, what's going on in the actual neighborhood and not just trust the numbers, which leads me into your actual style of investing, which is not local at all. In fact, you were in Monterey and now you're in DC and in neither case were you local, you invest in Texas for the most part. I mean, I think there's either there are some other markets or you're branching into other markets, but you yeah. do not invest where you live and you do primarily flips and you've done quite a few. And how does that play into like, how were you able to a scale into that and be like, as a data guy who's like, Ooh, numbers. Ooh, cool. Like, how are you able to get to a place where you feel comfortable about what you're buying without being there? Or are you flying back and forth all the time? Or how are you managing all this? Yeah. And I think like the big elephant in the room is I'm still active duty. Right. And so for me, something that I had to overcome before we even start talking about that was like, is it okay to be active duty and have like a side hustle that's really time consuming? Cause you have a mission, you know, and it's like, that's definitely a stigma, especially in like the officer core of I'm making a bunch of money outside of the Marine Corps. Is that okay? Is it okay? I'm spending time and energy doing that. And 
personally, I have no idea how people that are in the fleet, like not on like a shore tour or be billet or that kind of thing could possibly like really launch a business to the scale that we've launched ours. Like, I think that's something that you really got to take a look in the mirror and be like, am I actually like, do I have capacity like, as a platoon commander, company XO or something like that to do something other than what that, that service job is. And I know everybody that listens to this thing for the most part is, is military. It's like, sometimes it's okay to just be in learn mode. And that's what I was in for the first four years. Like my real estate stuff for the first four years of the Marine Corps was I bought the house I lived in. I rented out the, the spots to buddies in the Marine Corps and figured out how that went over a period of like two and a half years. And then I bought one more house and I learned how to flip that house. And then I got orders out to Monterey, which getting a master's degree and having it paid for by the Marine Corps, there was like two options basically in Monterey. It was either like learn how to golf because that's where Pebble Beach is, or it was spend your extra time and see if you can basically start a business. And I had just gotten married. And so my wife and I, we had flipped the house in North Carolina and I'm also Christian. So I believe, I know we've talked about faith a million times inside of our squad, but the, one of the underlying principles in, in my faith is you're supposed to give money when you make money. Like you're supposed to do some sort of tithe, which is 10% of your income. And we had just gotten newly married and we flipped one house in North Carolina on our way out to Monterey. And we were trying to figure out, it's like, okay, what do we want to give excess money to? Because the Marine Corps paycheck's easy. It's just like contributing to your TSP. You just set up like a recurring donation. That money leaves your account and there's not like, not much to think about, but you get 40, 40, 50 grand dropped in your account. Like, what do you do with that money? Right. And so we're newly married, trying to figure out how do we want to be generous with that kind of stuff. And my mother-in-law runs an anti-human trafficking nonprofit. And so I know the sound of freedom is out right now at the time of this recording. And people are really, there's a big buzz about anti-trafficking stuff, but she's been doing it for like 11 years. And so this is nothing new to her, but it was new to me. And so my wife suggested that we gave to Unbound Now, that's the name of the nonprofit. And we donated money from that flip to that and didn't really think much of it. Like I was pretty naive at the time. I was like, I wonder if Susan's like running this thing out of her garage with a laptop and like a MailChimp list. And she's just like sending out articles or something. Like I had no idea what the extent was. But then she called me and she basically was like, Tyler, for the amount of money you guys were able to give from that, we're essentially able to hire a full-time worker overseas who does nothing but stop people from being sold to slavery. And I was like, holy crap, like that's crazy. And as Marines, like we have a different perspective on probably that China country, right? <laughs> and one of the one of the places that she talked about was Mongolia, which is a northern northern neighbor of China. And that is a huge hotbed, a huge for all the grunts out there and combat arms po folks, like avenue of, of approach, right? Into China. So people escape North Korea, make it to Mongolia, get snatched up by slave drivers, basically, and sold into slavery inside of China. And so when she said that, I was like, oh my gosh, like for one house that we flipped, like that's one person's salary. He does nothing but like patrol the train stations and bus stops and like make sure people aren't being sold into slavery. Like, shoot, we probably should flip another house while I'm out here. I've got plenty of time. And so instead of golfing, instead of doing like extracurricular activities, my wife and I decided to start a business that, and I think there's nothing saying that you can't do stuff like this on active duty, but the set of orders we were on, like the circumstances we were in, we chose to use our free time to launch a business instead of doing something else. It's kind of like the delayed gratification method, but that was what launched us into 
deciding to flip houses. And for us, I had like got my real estate license and Monterey, California is like ritzy. There's a lot of cheese out there. And I was doing the math. I was like, I could sell like $4 million houses. And then that's like a lot of money, <laughs> 3% of a million dollars, four times. That's great. But what I didn't think about was I'm going to be leaving in two years. I can't take that book of business with me from Monterey. Like if I establish myself in Monterey, do all that work to establish myself there, then I'm going to have to just up and leave and do the same thing again in a new set of orders. It's probably going to be a little bit more demanding. And I don't think that's sustainable. And so we kind of batted around for about like a month. And then that's right when we joined the war room. And that was my kind of thing where I was trying to get clarity. I wanted to see, like, I knew real estate was something I loved. I loved the, like the idea of leverage. I love that you could do some really good math and like market research to figure out like, how can you mitigate your risk? And so I joined the war room and after about three months in the war room, realized like flipping houses is probably where we're going to start. And what we wanted to do was build a business that was transportable basically. And so for us, we picked Waco, Texas as our market. So that's where we were flipping houses predominantly. And what we wanted to do was just rev the engine to 10,000 RPMs and flip as many houses as we could and get as many reps as we could work with as many people as we could and just burn the throttle in and see what that felt like while we had that two years to do it and see where that took us. And so after about two years of doing that out in Monterey, we had flipped about 20 houses. And at that point we were able to hire staff, hire people to take that admin workload off of me. And that whole two years, it was a lot of networking for myself to kind of build a reputation, build connections to capital so that we can fund deals. And that's really what we we did for the first two years. And now I've been a year here in DC and the business still runs, even though I'm now working a true full-time record gig because we were able to build those systems and processes. And for us, flipping from a distance, that means that we're able to do this wherever we want. It's not tied to one geography. It's not tied to me being physically there. My wife is getting her master's in interior architecture and design. And so she does all the design work. I do all like the backend operations stuff that's not tied to a timeline. So like I can schedule emails. I can schedule phone calls when it's available, like right now, right? It's like yeah. 5.30, right? In the, in the afternoon, Eastern time. So got home from work and got the podcast stuff set up. But all of that to say, it's like, I think there's a time and a season and place for everybody, no matter what job you're working. You just have to make the decision to sacrifice time at some point in order to build something. And so for us, we're looking into some more opportunities, looking at some different things. But what's really important is that we're not tied geographically anywhere. And we wanted to build that skill set to figure out how to find a team. How do you vet a partner? How do you find money to do deals? How do you structure those deals legally so that everybody's protected? And it's not all sunshine and rainbows, right? Like we wanted to see what it felt like to get squeezed. I think when you're working with other people's money the way we have, it's really kind of a crazy thing that somebody will wire. Like, I know you've, you've done this before too. It's like 250 grand just ends up in your account and you're like, whoa, like that's a big weight. And we wanted to see what that felt like. And so that's what we did. So long answer to maybe a short question, but that's kind of our story in a nutshell. <laughs> no, that's a good answer. And I think it'll help a lot of people. And I like that we threw Unbound in there. I think that's a, a good charity for sure. I know I've seen you do some different fundraisers for them throughout the last couple of years. And 
you know, the whole human trafficking thing, like you said, is is a buzzword. I actually haven't gone and seen that movie yet. I need to. I haven't gone to a movie theater in maybe once. They, they don't the have one in rural Missouri where you're at. <laughs> is it one of those ones where they crank it with their hand? <laughs> you know, if you ever came to visit, you'd know. I know. Um, I know. We're only the third largest town in the state with the four billionaires around, you know, within 20 minute drive of me. So, you know, definitely five. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I do own militarybillionaire.com. So um, not that <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. If you go to militarybillionaire.com slash coming dash soon, you basically get a one page pop up that says, you know, not yet. But or like it says like loading in like it's massive hilarious. font, and then below it it's like, you know, so I forget exactly what it says, but like in super small print at the bottom, it's like, don't worry, we'll all be billionaires soon. Hashtag inflation. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's facts. <laughs> so it's but you know it points people back towards the website and the Facebook group. But I was like, I made the mistake of not buying militarymillionaire.com. Well, I didn't have the chance, and I'm like, I'm not letting anybody buy this one. So not that it matters, but. Anyway, um, yeah, it, yeah, the real estate game, and I agree with you. I think you've said some something there that is worth unpacking, at least or at least reiterating for the active duty people. It's definitely not, depending on what avenue you choose to get into real estate, it's not easy to do while active duty. Yeah, you know, especially not the active side of things, like the house hack. That's like the money. Like house hack is perfect. Like yeah. <laughs> you, you got to live somewhere. You got buddies that got to live somewhere. Why have them pay rent to some other landlord? Why don't they pay rent to you? Like that, that in my mind, like when it comes to benefits in the military, the VA loan is better than the GI bill by far. I agree. It's way better. You know, it's like my wife, when we dated, it was all long distance. The only way I was able to afford flying her out to like see me was because I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have anything I was paying. Like all of my BAH and all that kind of stuff, pretty much what the plane tickets. <laughs> so that that alone, like eliminating your housing expense, using the VA loan in a smart way was huge. Even with interest rates the way they are, it's like, even though rates are around seven right now, you could still rent a house or buy a house and rent out two or three bedrooms and come out way on top and then just refinance when rates come down. So. I just, I love the VA loan. I love that. Yeah, it's a phenomenal. I mean, it is the best primary mortgage residence in existence. And yeah, house hacking is a great strategy. You know, some of the buy and hold strategies are great for your active duty. But once you get into like the house flipping, it takes a little bit more time, right? You got to be a little bit more on the ball, especially if you start adding long distance to it. And it's just not something that I can, with good conscience, recommend to anyone and everyone. That being said, I think it's doable. Yep. I'm not going to tell anyone you can't do it. It's just not going to be as easy as you think, right? Like everybody makes, I, I always laugh. Like we had someone just the other day get on one of the war room. It might have been one of the office hours calls. And they were like, you know, oh yeah, we're doing our first actual investment like renovation. I was like, oh great. How's it going? Well, you know, there's been some surprises. We're a little bit over budget here, a little bit over budget there. And I'm like, Oh, so it's going good. Like if you'd said anything different, I'd be worried about what's going to come up at the end. Yeah. There's always something. Uh, yeah. Bad news doesn't get better with time, especially when you're flipping houses and burning interest on your private money. So it's true. Yeah. The interest on the private money game is fun. For sure. But the, the other thing too, is I think, especially when you, 
if you're like a podcast listener and you're listening to bigger pockets, you listen to this and you're hearing all these like highlight reels from people, you feel like you're way behind and you feel like, man, like that guy's 22 years old and he's already bought $7 billion of like farmland or something, something crazy. And you're like, why can't like, I must suck because I'm not doing that. But you can do it in a lot shorter period of time. Once you decide to put the throttle in, sometimes you just don't have the time to do it. And that's kind of contrarian, I think, to a lot of the gurus out there that you hear of like, you need to start doing it right now. And I'm not saying that you don't need to have a sense of urgency, but you also need to, need to have people around you that can be like, hey, man, like, just wait six months when you have more margin to do what you want to do. Or maybe do something that's less time intensive while you're in this season of life and working this job. Because I know for me, especially being in the war room and seeing guys and like seeing you do stuff and seeing other guys in our group, just like raising millions and buying apartment complexes. And like, that sounds glib on a podcast, but like that happens constantly in the world. It's like people are always like closing huge deals and you can look at yourself and you're like, man, I just bought a flip for 120,000. I'm going to make 40 grand on it. That's awesome. That's like yeah. fantastic. You know, that's like a great thing. And I would caution people to try and really dial back, like what you're comparing yourself to and comparing to other people. Because that's the like one way trip to crazy town, trying to be everyone else when their life circumstances are completely different. If you were watching me two years ago, three years ago, when we were launching LTG and you know, I'm still active duty, but you had no idea I was out in Monterey, California, like having all that free time and not having to go to the field and not having to do those different things, then you might get the impression that I was just somehow just so smart. I could cram all that work in the one hour a day, you know? But that wasn't the case. Like I was still working like four hours a day doing my master's degree at a minimum. And then I was working another eight or 10 hours getting the business up off the ground. Yep. Like there's only 24 hours in a day. And so it's just be careful who you're comparing yourself to because a lot of times their circumstances are just completely different, but you have no idea behind the wall of Instagram and LinkedIn and all those different places what their actual day-to-day is really like, or if they're even making money or like are solving. You know? <laughs> Yeah, that's that one's valid for sure. Yeah, what's the quote? Uh, comparison is the thief of joy. Have you have you read the book uh, Gap in the Game, Dan Sullivan? I haven't read that one yet. No, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the list. Yeah, you know, I mean, I can sum it up for you. It is a good read, but it, it, I can sum it up in a nutshell for you. It's essentially what you just said, right? Like people compare themselves to where they could be, and forget to look back at where they were, and go, "Holy crap, I've come a long way." You know, like I. Flipping a house and making forty thousand dollars when that is your base pay or half your base pay, yeah, is huge. But when you compare yourself to somebody who just raised, you know, three and a half million dollars to take down an eleven million dollar hotel or whatever, yep, it's like, oh, that doesn't seem so cool. Well, different. It's different, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you're also comparing, you know, out here when you could look at where you were and like, it's a journey. That person was probably where you are not very long ago. And there's nothing that says, like you said, you can't get to where they are or pass them or just learn from them. And that's, I think my favorite thing or one of my favorite things about the war room is everybody in the group is so giving. Everybody within the war room is so open, so giving, so willing and able to help if you just, you know, make an ask. And that's not something you see in, a ton of groups or communities all over the place. Right. So 
I love just being able to put people together and know that they're willing to chat and talk. And they're smart. And they're not saying dumb things. That's, <laughs> that's like, valid. You're not in like a crazy Facebook group. Like, like inevitably, when you have a 60,000 person Facebook group, there will be people that slip through cracks that are peddling just madness. Oh, yeah. But when you're, when you actually pay to be in something, like people have skin in the game and the community, as far as like vets that do like high level business, it's pretty small. It's not really that huge to where people know if you're the guy who's ripping people off, you will get found out very, very quickly and people yep. will not do business with you. And it's like your reputation matters in a huge way. Not because your reputation matters because it's like matters to be a good person, but inside the war room, it's like, you know, everyone inside that group, if they've been around for longer than like three months, I would say like three months for me, it's like, I don't know if I've told you this. It's like my barometer for seeing people in there. It's like they hang around for three months and they like engage and like I've had any sort of conversation with them and they don't try to like get me to invest in something crazy. For the most part, like those people weed themselves out. They like self-select out of the group because they realize that it's not for them and that's not like the kind of role we play. Yeah. But no, the giving part about the war room and the people in there and the guys and girls that are rocking and rolling and doing awesome stuff and yeah, it's just, it's fun to be around and it's a great sounding board for, if you're like me, I have like shiny object syndrome. We've talked about like probably 25% of the stuff that I'm doing right now, probably need to cut back and like eliminate some things, but it's like bouncing ideas off of people that have experience in that space is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I'm curious, you know, I want to touch on b at least briefly your market analysis stuff, you know. Uh, just a brief overview of for the listeners what that is that you do and you know some of your vision for that if that's still a piece that you're looking to pursue because i see that being something that you know very 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 game-changing for a lot of groups yeah it's so what i did when i first started is i like in my master's degree it's all coding and statistics and like ai and machine learning that kind of thing and so the best way to learn something is to do something that you're passionate about. And so when I first started learning how to do all this stuff, I was like, I wonder if I could just somehow shoehorn this into the real estate stuff. That way I'm like studying for a project I'm going to have to create, but at least I'm feeling like I'm being productive in the business as well. And so what I started doing was using open source data that's provided by places like the census, places like the Bureau of Labor Statistics, all the places that are like authoritative data and aggregating that all, combining it, and then displaying based on some inputs what you want to look at. When it comes to the market stuff, it's one of those things where now it's like, okay, when am I going to set aside a couple of days to just really do another deep dive and polish up the products I already make? Because I have it on autopilot where I can just basically hit the enter button and it'll give me like all the updated interest rates, updated housing market prices, employment, unemployment, all those different kinds of things that I sometimes I call it like CoStar for the everyman kind of thing, where it's like all the data that CoStar is doing, all they have are a bunch of nerds like me that have made way prettier graphs and like packaged it up really neatly and nicely into a PDF. And they have some, the way it gets expensive with those guys that they will send people to do surveys of like market rents, basically. So that's like their big edge on somebody like me who I'm not sending people door to door being like, hey, how much are you paying in rent or calling property management companies to get that information. But all the other stuff besides some of the like really, really nitty gritty details 
about certain markets, it's all accessible online. You just have to know how to get to it. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's really interesting to me and I'm really big about trying to stack tasks to where if I'm working on something, it's going to work across a couple different verticals that we're doing inside our own business. I haven't really touched my like code for that since April. I think there's another webinar I supplied all the data for that was given. That's the last time I did a real deep dive, but I was thinking about refreshing it for this one, but I knew we were probably just going to talk about a bunch of stuff. So I didn't end up doing that, but yeah, so we, we could do a show one time and do like a full market deep dive yeah, if you want. Absolutely. Be fun. Talk about state of the market. I think that'd be enjoyable. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's what I enjoyed about it is like, you know, let's be real for anyone listening, talking about macroeconomics and like the market as a whole is not the most exciting thing in the world, especially when you add PowerPoint. That's not true. They're super exciting. Yeah. So, so very exciting, especially with like a PowerPoint with like a ton of numbers on it. It's just, just like, man, it's what I get off to. That's for sure. Uh, And so... Tyler does a really good job, though, of breaking it down because he is a real estate investor. So I've had a bunch of market briefs from people who are really smart and they just lose me. And then, you know, occasionally you get somebody who has a good, you know, understanding of the real estate market and they give kind of a lackluster analysis of with data to support it. And it's like, this is how I feel things are going. And here's like a little bit of my own personal data points. And that's good. But like Tyler has a good like he's got the data to back it all up, but then he's got the real estate knowledge, know-how to actually break it down and be like, hey, here's this really overwhelming kind of boring chart of stuff. And here's why you should care and what it actually means to you and what you need to take away from it. And you're like, oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Next slide. Like whatever, rather than like, Oh, I'm totally overwhelmed and I'm out. You lost me. And that's the thing too, is like another nod to the war room, but it's all those presentations are never with an agenda. I'm never like briefing. This is the market I'm in. Like, this is the only one that matters. It's always, you know what I mean? Like there's so much, you can find data to support any claim you want to make and Something I said, I think at the beginning was like, you just have to like, as long as the, whoever's talking to you about the numbers, like make sure they're telling you what their assumptions are, because there's very few things besides like basic algebra that you can do, especially with investing that don't involve a ton of assumptions. It's like, you've got to know what the caveats are and what the, to quote first sergeant, to piggyback a caveat off of whatever it is that they're doing. <laughs> take your hands like, out of your pocket. Yeah. Take your hands out of your pockets, piggyback a caveat of what, what the sir said. <laughs> you got to understand what these assumptions are, right? Because you can get misled really, really easily. And it's really easy to sound smart when you're the one who has the numbers. But if that person isn't like showing you that stuff with like a heart of teaching you, like how to evaluate other numbers as they come by, then I would take a kind of like a pause and be like, okay, is this guy selling me something? Or is he actually trying to educate me and teach me about stuff? Because it's just, it is too easy to manipulate numbers. All you got to do is omit a certain point here and it changes the average for a million things. And no one will ever know except for the guy behind the computer. So, yeah, that's <laughs> it's valid, Scared. which unfortunately you saw uh, or have seen probably within a uh, syndication realm every now and yeah. then. You see, it's very easy to tweak one digit and now the returns look great. And anyway, neither here nor there. 
you've always got to, you know, trust but verify. And that's why everybody says the operator is the thing that matters, right? So that's a whole different conversation. So Tyler, all right, what's next? What's on the horizon? You've got a lot of stuff going on, some of which I feel comfortable asking you about publicly and some of which I am like, I don't know how much of that I'm supposed to talk or let the cat out of the bag on. But yeah, suffice we got it to stuff. say, Tyler's got some really cool things going on that you guys don't get to know about. So, <laughs> yeah, we're hacking yeah. away at a million things all the time. Um, kind of like you, like I think me and you maybe need to join like a support group for like do less, <laughs> do less things no. and like focus a little more. No, but, yeah, we're really looking to build social media stuff. And so we've very similar, like our thesis with working with Unbound in a lot of ways was we're going to be forced to do marketing because we're going to have to find investment capital, do deals and really good nonprofits hate spending money on marketing because they would much rather go fund somebody else to go work in Mongolia or go fund more aftercare stuff for people that they're recovering from trafficking. And so we kind of put ourselves as like a forward facing brand for them in order to kind of drive people towards unbound. But for the last two and a half, three years, we've been just nose of the grindstone in the business, realizing it's like, man, we make a lot more money and just give it away. Cause it's really hard to fundraise for charity. I don't know if you've, I think you have tried to raise money before, but it's like way easier to give like 10 grand yourself than it is to like pull teeth and get people to give you a hundred bucks at a time. Yes. But that's not a here nor there. But as far as like what the future holds for us is we're really taking our brand a little bit more seriously. So we've brought some more help on board to focus and really kind of flesh that piece out. We've realized that that's something we've neglected. Kind of social media presence is something that we're figuring out and kind of building the airplane on the way down. We're still doing flips. We're just being very, very selective. And so we rubbed the engine, got to 10,000 RPMs, felt what it was like to be carrying 12 different mortgages and 12 different rehabs at one point, all from like multiple plane flights away. That was great. That had fun, but uh, it's always, it was always a means to an end. It was never the end itself. Like we never were like, we want to flip houses forever, or we want to flip 20 houses forever. It was, we loved the creative process. We loved building something, making it new. And something I discovered about myself is I love hiring people. I love employees and getting to provide for other people's families. Where we're moving forward in the house flipping stuff is probably just bigger projects in different places. So not necessarily just Texas. And as far as like pure real estate, that's kind of what we have on the horizon. My wife is doing a lot more like freelance design work for folks. She just got finished designing a buddy's house in Missouri, actually. Oh, nice. They're nowhere near Springfield, though. I think it's like Southern. It's like eight hour drive from Waco. So it's like, sounds like, it, sounds like it might be pretty close to Springfield. Yeah. Actually. I, I looked at it on the map though. Cause I was looking for a concrete contractor form at one point <laughs> and you weren't anywhere near him. I was like, I don't think he knows anybody that knows mm. concrete in that part of Missouri, but I wonder that could be wrong. Yeah. You have to tell me when you figure it out. I've not hated the Marine Corps in any way, shape or form. And it's like, I've always wanted to do it in a position where the Marine Corps was letting me do something I couldn't do in the real world. And kind of the infantry train for me is kind of sailed. And right now it's like a peacetime Marine Corps. So I'm keeping my options open. I'm not saying I won't stay in forever, but for the most part, I think there's some really cool opportunities and working with my wife has been one of the most fun things ever. And so kind of looking at expanding that after this three years and really getting to devote all my mental energy into the businesses that we're building and help create. So yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah. I, I was the same way when it came time to get out, it was. I loved the Marine Corps. It was never an issue 
with the Marine Corps. It was just that what I was doing on the side became more fulfilling. And like you said, the peacetime Marine Corps, right? It, it wasn't the same Marine Corps that I originally came up in. And it just kind of got to a point where I was like, I got promoted enough. I work in an office. Yeah. This is not what I love. Yeah. I can all work in an office for myself. Yeah. All roads. <laughs> the wrong blue font, the wrong size <laughs> font. Calibri 12 is wrong. It's Calibri 11. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I get it. All right. What is, what have we missed? Is there anything we've missed in this? We've been talking for a little bit. I feel like we've. I'm a little concerned of... that you're not wearing your Diablo shirt. Oh, for yeah. people who are just listening to this on audio, <laughs> usually David's wearing the same shirt almost every time I see him on Zoom. And he's not wearing that shirt right now. So I think you need to answer to the people of have you started doing laundry? <laughs> oh, man. For reference, I have two of those jerseys and that, that makes a lot more sense and they are the most comfortable jersey that i own it is a uh, i think it's an xl actually but it is a comfortable softball jersey that breathes really well in a humid state and most of our calls are done saturday morning and it's my pajama shirt man you know so i just wake up saturday morning i start working and then i'm like oh shoot the call's starting Ah, that I start the days that I'm not wearing that shirt. It's because I remember you calling me out on it and I go and I like grab a different shirt, but I'm still in my pajama bottoms. At all. <laughs> so, um, in fact, I just, well, I'm glad to hear you at least have two of those shirts. Cause then there's a chance that it's clean. When you're wearing oh, it's it. yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it literally only gets worn around the house for like an hour a day, maybe two hours. I mean, it's like, you know, isn't there something anyway. that's like dress, put clothes on that make you feel like you're the most focused i guess that's your that's your clothes so i mean you're the right mindset it's like some people put a suit on for all their zoom calls but you yeah, put there's on the diablo shirt maybe that's hey you know okay so we wore those jerseys for one base tournament in hawaii the only time that we ever played together as a team with the third marine regiment and we went undefeated so i mean you know yes. i don't know what else you want like i yeah that's that's good to go it was good. You know, we, we'd it's never even practiced. So we just showed up and, you know, it's Marine Corps softball. So we showed up, we got drunk for two days and uh, we beat everybody. Dingers. Yeah, we hit dingers and it was great. I played catcher and I loved it and usually a center fielder. So it was kind of weird. But anyway, ramble, ramble, ramble. Welcome to the war room, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Actually, we've got some really cool stuff coming down in the war room, not to turn this into a total. Oh, uh, man plug but in the next three months eh, actually we'll say the next four months just to be safe i believe not official yet but mike mccallowitz i think he's going to come speak he's the author of profit first and then we've got a presenter coming from dan sullivan's team to talk about 10x is easier than 2x that book and that concept I'm working to try to get Dan Martell to come speak. He's the author of Buy Back Your Time. We've got a lady named Jennifer who's now running all the Vivid Vision calls for Cameron Harold. Cool. She's coming in, so that's going to be rad because he's now doing one-on-one -on -one coaching with CEOs as his big thing. Just landed Peter Awad of Mission Meets, who is just on Better Life. He's going to come and talk about leadership. And there's a couple other good pres presentations going on. 
the one this Saturday, actually, that nobody who hears this podcast will have seen because it will have come and gone, is a gentleman named Jeff Reffert, who is a West Point grad, who just out of nowhere hit me up on LinkedIn and sent a message that was spicy enough that I was like, oh, this guy's legit. And I responded and we've become friends. And he's basically giving a presentation on LinkedIn networking because perfect. he's really, really good at it. This is the kind of guy who texted me yesterday and was like, hey, I've been networking with this guy on LinkedIn for the last couple of weeks, and he wants to meet you because he likes the way that you've represented the Marine Corps after you got out. Have you ever heard of a General Krulak? And I'm like, 31st Commandant of the Marine Corps? Dad wrote first to fight? That that guy? Never never heard of her. <laughs> America, like, America doesn't need a Marine Corps. They want one. Yeah. Yeah. That guy? Yeah. Yeah. Never heard of him. If you're not a Marine and you're listening to this, you're like, okay, it's a cult for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So I just got an intro to him on LinkedIn and I don't know what that's, that's going to turn into, but I was like, oh my goodness. So yeah, this dude's going to come talk to us about LinkedIn networking, which I'm stoked about because I've seen firsthand some of the stuff that he's been able to pull off. He just got public. He's getting published in two uh, newspapers from anyway, a lot of cool stuff, a lot of cool speakers coming in out of the new call. So as much as we joke about the rambling, the war rooms, it's got some good awesome. stuff going on. Yeah, it's good. So if you're looking for a good community, of like-minded people, you're in the military or you're better. Join if you suck though. Yeah. Yeah. Then keep you wouldn't that, be a like-minded people. Well, I said like-minded people. If, if you suck, we'll improve you, but you have to want to improve. Yeah. 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 If you aren't any good at anything and you don't want to be any good at anything, you're just full of excuses. Then when I said like-minded people, we're not your people. So yeah, we, we're going to help you. We're going to help you achieve, you know, even if it means you have to actually do a little work. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler, where can people get a hold of you? You know, when you're talking LinkedIn, let's talk LinkedIn. Me okay. on LinkedIn. Okay. Just hit me up on there. That's part of my guard, my, my brand lady. That's what we're doing. I'm the LinkedIn guy. So you're that's LinkedIn where I'll be guy. living. Is that just Tyler.Gobel? Tyler Gobel on LinkedIn, fighting human trafficking through real estate. Nice. That's the tagline. That's a good tag. I like it. I like it. That is good. Well, that's what's up. And I'm glad that we finally got to do this. Thanks for joining me and hanging out. And actually really enjoy these more casual conversational podcasts. And interestingly enough, when I pulled so right now, Kevin Leahy, who used to be the producer for Bigger Pockets, I paid him, since we're transparent on the show, $2,750 to do like a 30-day, basically, just deep dive into the podcast. I was like, bro, like, can yeah. you just tell me what I should do to improve everything? Like, you know, shorten this and change that, and tweak this and whatever. And the first thing he did was like, what are your top 10 most downloaded episodes and what's the common trend? And I was like, I've looked at them all. I was like, it's these, you know, some of these. He's like, okay, yeah, but what are the trends? I started to dig in. So of the top 10, seven, I believe, were War Room members and just casual conversations. And then the top one is just Alex and I with no guest talking about something. When Man, we get you carried Alex 100. through the top 10 episode? Yeah, he's number one. That's we're number incredible. one. You're number one? Um, by a factor of almost double number two. It's kind of cool. I was like, what in the world? <laughs> it's literally, I think the ep- title of the episode is literally Dave and Alex talk shit. And it's that episode 100. And it's got, yeah, it's got like, I think like 60 or 70% more downloads than episode two. And then the next six, all but one are War Room and Robert Kiyosaki's in there. 
And then there's a seventh one that's War Room, and Brandon Turner is the only other one up there. And so, pretty cool. I was like, huh, interesting. I guess these more casual, fun, real conversations, because they're relatable conversations, are actually what people like. So, it's good stuff. So I appreciate you, good sir. And look forward to talking to you next week on our call. Yeah, well, dude. And Saturday and Thursday and whenever else you see you Saturday and see you Tuesday. Yeah. Whoop.